Murray has supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Yeah, there goes. The Blubbity Bar. Sending out good vibes. Acid, completely in a in, in a completely different um, zone and a way of thinking, and he described the DNA helix structure that he saw through a psychedelic trip. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we are going to be chatting with Nick Badminton uh, a little bit later. He's a bit of futurist. He's going around. And he tells kind of, he, I think he spent some time like briefing companies about how the future was going to be. And, and he's kind of a, a futurist vision, visionary in a sense, I suppose. And uh, we've got James Nation, who we're slowly trying to con into uh, doing some work around here. Back, he's going to join us, hang out for a bit. Always welcome addition. And of course, we've got everybody's favorite co host, the one and only Spam Graham Sing Along Dunlop. <laughs> <laughs> How's it going, buddy? I'm okay. How you doing? Pretty good. So good the reason I bring that up is because I just recently found out 270 episodes later, 60 episodes, whatever it is that we've given you for free, that Graham's, one of his pre-show rituals is to do a little lap around Chestermere and uh, belt out show tunes. Sing uh, so, Turn Me Loose. It, no, no lover, boy. lover boy? <laughs> No, no lover Do you have boy. a rule? No, there's no rules. No rules? Anything goes about Loverboy? I think it's more like we're not going to take it. See, he's pumping himself up. <laughs> what to was it today? Well, it was a weird one today. Um, I don't know. Adele? Uh, it's called uh, <laughs> Spiritual Being by Youth versus Abacus came on. Huh. There's a bit of a synchronicity because I was just thinking about it earlier. and it sh- I shuffled it on. So it wasn't really a sing-along one, but it was an interesting moment when I got the shivers and stuff. So. Brad Pitt cool. Cool. in that. That's right. probably why you yeah. get the shivers. So, but I did want to say that we do this little intro where we get listeners involved, read emails and stories and stuff like that, and we shoot the shit for a little bit before the episode comes on. So for all the new listeners, you can, you can fast forward it to the episode if you want. There's always a timestamp. There's a timestamp in the show notes. I think you can just hit skip if you're on your phone. I don't know. If, if you're in, most podcast those. players have a skip button to the next part of the thing. And, and Darren separates that nicely. Yeah. Most of the time when I remember, I'd say like 90% of the time. Yeah. I do that. But this is the real fun part. Some people think so. Other people think it's the interview. Ah, whatever. We got to do it. We get people involved. So, and we yeah, have James kinda, if we didn't do this part, it wouldn't be quite as much fun. Cause this is kind of where we get to just, talk about whatever the fuck we want, like our crazy balloon projects, and we do a little bagging for money and all that fun stuff. 
So anyway, where do you want to start this week? I, I had some stuff to talk well, about. Well, we got a couple, a couple like a, a couple AI things to talk about, stories, and then Jay, with them, get James's take on futurism. Maybe keep it sort of on that vein if we can. Oh, speak. Okay, yeah, James is going to give us a definition, wasn't he? Yeah, I can do that. Okay, let's yeah. hear it. Oh, oh, futurist. Like, well, are we going to wiki this? I don't you know. Can, I, was, can wiki I thought you were like, okay. ready. A person who studies the future and makes predictions about it based on current trends. Okay. You said so, there was another one too. No? Oh, yeah. Or a person who believes that the uh, esoterical prophecies are still to be fulfilled. Well, the first one would be Nick, our guest, yeah. later. Yes. Um, you know, speaking of James, a bottle of present, a little early Christmas present for the studio. Um, Picture or, of me. That too. <laughs> uh, a little, it's actually one of those, which I said I would never get, and I never would get for my house, but I bought the uh, Google thing. Right? Chromecast? Yeah, I'm, no, I'm going to hang it from the roof right here. Oh, the Hey Google? The one, and, yeah, cause no. I, I'm going to change the name to James. Hey, James. And then we'll you didn't get like, Google Home, did you? Yeah. What? And, and we'll be like, hey, James, what's the definition of futurism? And, ta- and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually Are you going to call it, it James? I Wait, might. I don't know. I, I'm still. I uh, see what's going on. Here. I'm excited. <laughs> We're replacing James with the machine. We haven't even got to doing anything yet. Um, my mom was going to get me that for Christmas and no, that's and a, a, I won't, won't put it in my, and house. our coworker Ian said, Graham's not going to like that. Don't do that. He thinks they're listening to him and they are listening they to are, us. So yeah. now it's, you're going to have fucking a direct spy in the studio. Well, no, no I, we'll just unplug it when we're not using it. Yeah. And they're actually not getting the, the Google thing. That's going to be me here. Is that the trick? No, no, no. That's <laughs> just, honestly, it's just the, for the gimmick of fucking, it's going to be me. Not the, they're just pretending that it's going to be like oh, a yeah. Google. No, 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 I, 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 I have I to really talk like a robot. I always right. get a kick out of fucking having that little gimmick of having that. As so an instead option. of Siri, so instead of me going to try to go to Siri all the time, I'm going to try having the Google. And that's so now Alexa? Google. No, the, no. Now the Alexa NSA listens to everything. Crazy expensive. The Google thing was like a hundred bucks. Less. Is that uh, Cortana? I don't know. It's no, like, that's I Windows. Mini, I got the mini one, so it's like this big. Well, the, the, so my understanding is. That James or Jerry can fucking help me code it so that we don't have to say, hey, Google, and we can say whatever we want. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think it'll be James. I was just joking around. We'll James up, is a good butlerish name. Yeah, but he's going to, you know. James. He's, he's, you have to say it in an English accent for it to work. James. James is our dude named James, though. James. 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 Guys. Exactly. Jeeves. Stop saying my name so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting weird. <laughs> I'm like, what? So yeah, anyway, that should be in next week. So do you it actually the, do you it might the, be in, in time for next week's recording. Actually, I'll be at the Nutcracker. Do you remember the last episode we, we released? We might have it for the fucking trivia contest. Well, that would be fun. Hey, James. <laughs> what's let's, a futurist? Let's go to James. <laughs> and if it doesn't, I'll be talking like a robot. Okay, Darren. Perfect. You're hired. <laughs> pay a zero. I've seen it coming. I forgot what I was going to say. Well, speaking of pay a zero, you could help us increase James' pay to less than or more than zero by uh, going over to grimeamerica.ca slash support. Seriously, guys, it really does help. Uh, if you if you are getting a little value from the show, we've decided, I guess, from, well, not quite from day one. We tried a couple little, like, like Amazon, Amazon portal stuff, but then we realized Things that, like that, yeah. and we just said, no, nah, we're just going to go the value for value model. Uh, which we do entice a little bit with the bonus content, which we throw in the black budget feed, which is, I think, getting hijacked again. We should actually run the black budget feed through you. That's me. 
so that uh, because it's just getting we got a password protected somehow. Yep. It's just getting. We a, can do that. I'm noticing that we're getting like sometimes we're getting like I'm on a release now, so we're getting like three times the amount of downloads as <laughs> as people that are signed. Yeah. yeah. So it's like so you guys that downloaded that. No, it's not that. It's it's a lot of these podcast players. As soon as people are putting the feed in, it's automatically adding it yeah. to their fucking yeah. library. So. So they're getting bonuses for now. They're just running a so, tab. Yeah, that's what I. So now I make a point to say in the black budget episode that if you're listening to this and you didn't pay, you're mm-hmm. stealing. Yeah, but they just let them run a tab. <laughs> let them run a tab for a bit. They yeah, can pay later. Yeah, that's fine. This isn't black budget, so we won't go through that. Yeah. No, here, and but. we've been putting out like two shows a week in the normal feed, so we're doing extra content anyways, and then we're Christmas. just we're just giving like almost. Uh, like you know, like bonus bonus content in the in the black budget feed. It's a little more controversial, a little different. We're gonna do a couple other types of shows in there. Yeah, and honestly, yeah, and the more people that uh, do go and sign up for a monthly, as little as a dollar a month, which I think works out to like six cents each a show after PayPal takes a cut, um, then then uh, you know that that's what gives us the the option to to take more time and record more episodes and release more things and and uh it really does help so we're kind of releasing some new shows hoping to entice you guys to try and get even more content by supporting the show signing up for a monthly today and getting those 14 or 15 episodes that we've started building yeah any, any donation did you say that any, yeah, any donation yeah. whether it be a one-time or monthly we really do prefer the monthlies because it's just easier for budgetary purposes for budgetary purposes absolutely and uh, yeah, it's as low as a buck a month. Some people start there and start to work their way up. Other people, I think the most popular is the three thirty three. Um, yeah, but if anything helps. It really does. Like if anyone, if everyone signed up for the buck a month, we'd be in a pretty good spot. But it's it's still less than one percent. I mean, I don't know that we'll ever get over one percent, but it'd be, yeah, we'll get over one percent. We'll get like two or three percent probably eventually. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think we'll get this. To... Maybe we could get two percent for Christmas. You can do it. Yeah, that'd be a lot of people would have to subscribe in the next couple of days. But yeah, that's good. 50. Keeps us going without ads and stuff. Yeah, exactly. And we've kind of, we don't want to go down that road. We've come this far. We've given, you know, we've done 270 episodes or 258 or 59 episodes. And we don't want to, you know, we're, it's too late to start looking at those models. So we're going to, you know, keep this one, yeah. Live and die by the fucking value for value. Right. Hopefully but, live. Um, and we are doing, like I say, we are trying to entice it with some bonus content. And no, and every once in a while, we get a good, nice donation to keep us going. Yeah, it's always reinvigorating. Yeah, big shout out to uh, to to uh, I'll leave it at Mike, yeah, who uh, who helped us out for Christmas. A big help, big pat on the back. When we're going into the shortest days of the year, and and frustration levels can get high around the holiday season. It's always nice to know that, uh, yeah, that your work's appreciated. People are helping. So, out. Yeah, if, if you if you do appreciate the work and you are getting a little value from the show, uh, could do consider heading over to the support page and signing up for a monthly. Or doing a one-time donation, and and if you can't afford to support the show monetarily, we get that. Uh, we've all been there. Uh, you can be reviewing the show. You can share the show. You can make sign people up for the newsletter. Make jingles. Send in content. Stories. Stories. Yep. Uh, whatever. Whatever it may be. There's a ton of people who do all those things. Like I think you know. Even even the reviews. There's the reviews are less than one percent too. So I think we can do better than that. Yeah. Oh, we do. Yeah. Yeah. There's quite a few reviews on us iTunes and that's, that's something that will really help us actually, because I think at some point, I don't know if it's a thousand. I mean, some people say a thousand reviews get changed, switches over the algorithm and it probably 
boosts you up quite a bit from there. But I mean, we'll, well take you know a couple hundred would be nice yeah. too. Yeah. Well, it just goes to show as proof that you guys aren't just like paying money for bots to do all fake no, likes exactly, and stuff. Exactly. And, yeah, you know, like how many reviews did you have on oh, there? One hundred seventy-three. A couple yeah. reviews in a yeah. You should have a couple thousand by now. Hopefully, in a month. A month. Yeah. yeah. Get on there and just right on your podcast player and just go on iTunes and give them yeah. five stars. Yeah. And. That being said, big shout out and thank you to the people that do support the show and help the show get through another. We're coming up on the end of the year, another fucking great year episodes. Yeah. And that is, uh, in no, that is actually absolutely thanks to the, uh, the 1% that do choose to support the show because without them, there would be no show. And like we were talking on the show tonight, uh, that you'll hear in a couple of weeks or whatever, we were talking about how the, the best part about this whole thing is just meeting the, the guests and, and becoming friends with a lot of the listeners and yeah. people like James here that's in the studio and eating spam and there's, that there's got a, sent to you a year and a half ago. Yeah. Graham made yeah. a half a can of spam today, you guys. Teriyaki spam. A half can. Cold. Teriyaki spam. I'm going to put the resume A half a can of oh, cold spam. It smells that's like year, cat food. That's a year and a half old from oh. the other side of the world. That's what, yeah, from a donated, from a donated uh, gift to the gift. I think it was from Florida. Wow. No, it was Hawaii. Check, I remember Hawaii, I was really? Florida that they oh, paid the right. fucking air shipping on a case of spam. Yeah. Check so, out Facebook for the picture. What else is like say about that? Gif. Yeah, like Send it. me the gif for Twitter. Yeah, I have a gif on there. Like, oh, make sure you like that. No, I was going to mention the chats, like people making friends in the chats. We oh, yeah, the chats group. is like a little Gramerica community. It's yeah, like it's perpetual, commune. perpetual. My only complaint about the chats is the font size in Discord. Yeah, I can't read it that good. You can't, I can't read no. it. Can you not adjust that anyway? I tried. I can't find it anywhere. Well, that's not saying anything. Have you tried? Uh, no, I haven't, but okay. I bet you I can well, figure it out. Like, I okay. seriously need my glasses to read the fucking chats. That's pathetic. Hey, speaking of tech, I found out... And I'm I'm a new glasses guy. I never used to have glasses, so it's annoying. Well, that's the problem when your eyes start going. You should wear contacts and glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Double up. <laughs> hey, by the way, so you can search, if you download the Grimerica app, you can search for keywords. So I was trying to find the fortune cookie oh, episode. It's terrible. No, in the app, it works good. I typed in fortune cookies and it showed me episode no 144. Way. Yeah. On your app. So Is that because of my tag, my hashtag? Uh, it's whatever you put in your show notes. So you talked about the fortune cookies in there and the prank that the Darren... show notes finally come to use. Yeah, there you go, buddy. So download the Grimerica <laughs> app. If you're looking for anything, like if you want to look for Randall Carlson or easily or any of those things that you can find it all through the app. Just through the search field. So your app's paying off. I forgot about the app. Because I didn't think the app was working properly because I tried to search for the app in the app store and I couldn't even find it using a bunch of keywords. I don't know. So you're in the app though. Yeah. But how can you... The, How do you get a link to the app? Finding the app. So you like, put an app in the show, put the link to the app in the show notes, Graham, no, for the no, listeners. No, 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 I'm talking about people that haven't found the podcast yet. Oh, yeah. The app is supposed to be a marketing tool. Right. That people, when they're I think searching the marketing apps and searching the, podcasts. I think the marketing is more to help people who can't do podcasts listen to the show. If there's no. any listeners out there that are good is with SEO. I don't know. Yeah, anybody that can I'm help. I'm not real good at SEO probably either. Yeah. So. Well, if there's a listener out there, maybe they can uh, send an email by and help. But, uh, I, I, but I think the, the the app is missing sup, supplemental descriptions and stuff like that. Like it's not. By us? It just says Grimerica, I think. Like but shouldn't you, it say. Well, I made the, the spiel. Yeah. Shouldn't it say the spiel in there? And if you search like UFO podcast, maybe it comes up or like. Yeah, the meta text. You know, meta yeah, it has, to be, it has to be more searchable. So you need more. I that, don't think you're allowed we'll to spam on the app store. Hmm. I don't know. We'll you're allowed to spam Graham, though. Yeah. yeah. 
So speaking of Spygram, what do you got for me this week? Buddy? Well, I wanted to stick on this AI vein. I have some questions for you guys since we've got great James Grahams. Grahams? Oh no, <laughs> I'm morphing. We've got I'm James, our IT guy here in the studio, and we have a you know Nick Babington coming up on this episode talking about futurism and AI and all this stuff. So you guys were mentioning Google Home. And I was asking what the name is. Something tells me after a couple months of Google Home, I have a pretty good idea where AI is going to be. No, but where, okay, so we have Siri and Cortana and Alexa. Should we get them all? We should get them all. What's the difference between all these? Because they do work differently. They're just different algorithms. And because Siri, you know, sometimes it just, it just sucks. I think Google Chrome is NSA. Siri is CIA. (laughs) (laughs) They all just get in their own data. No, but it's, it's not really... You don't really think that that's real? Intelligence is just. Um, okay, you tell me. Have you, if anybody's seen Black Mirror, you want, go back to the bees. It's not episode, even close to but, artificial intelligence. Maybe it isn't some rudimentary, super rudimentary form, but it's just fucking basically voice typing things into fucking some sort of Google, Google. internal Google that's searching your, you know, it's just. Going into the Google Nebula and then figuring out answers for you. It's just data mining. It's just really fast data mining in a way. Yeah, and you know what's collecting everything. Like, it's got to be listening to you. That's a good example of what that Google Home, when we have that in here and we fuck around with that for a couple months, maybe our opinions will change of how, how close we are. Because, I mean, I don't know. If we're close to having artificial intelligence, something tells me that. I mean, we won't be real close to the supercomputers and everything else, but... If if these things are are I haven't figured out small problems yet, then I don't know. Then maybe it's we'll get real close to artificial intelligence and we'll have forgotten about common sense. Well, that's what we have in the commercial world. You can't program common you know, sense, right? I don't like how all these devices are listening to us right now. There's something hey, going Siri, on in the back end. Are you listening to me? Hey Siri, are you working for the CIA? I don't know what that means. If you like, I can search the web for, are you working for the CIA? (laughs) Hey Siri, are you listening to everything I say and sending it to the government? That's something I don't know. See, they're just not even Siri now. Hey Siri, are you listening to everything I say? We were talking about you. See, he was. What did he he say? We were talking about you, not me. Mm -hmm. I don't trust it, man. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> He's avoiding. He's avoiding? Really? He's, yeah. Seems to be. Whenever you ask Siri about itself, it just deflects it back to you. I'm going to read, like, I'm gonna read up probably, about this. I bet you that thing. That's the most uh, AI part of it. Like a real person just deflecting it back to, to, to you. I don't know. It's ignoring its own fucking issues. That's right. <laughs> I feel like it's listening for keywords at all times, and then it's sending the most keywords back to the database somewhere. So that Graham always talks about spam, spam, spam's mentioned fifty times a day or whatever. It's a they're building metadata against you for sure. Now, do you think they that that's for corporations and sales tactics, like it's they the say, or is it more bidder. for for the highest bidder? It's probably government based and marketing based and everything. Yeah, for sure. I bet you that if we just read the fine print. There's got to be something in there that that well, thing's we'll, always we'll on. That. You're the tech yeah. guy. We'll make yeah, that I'll check easy. it out. There's <laughs> got to be a bigger purpose to that because they just didn't spend the millions of dollars on developing that simple little talk to your phone tech. There's more to it. You got a little word to the wise. Don't hold yeah. your breath. So yeah. have you heard about the Saudis controlling the world's first artificial intelligence in future city, Neom? No. Okay, let's listen to a little bit of it. I got a clip here. Not responsible. Here she is. Everybody, this is Sophia. 
Sophia, if you could, please wake up and say hello to everybody. Oh, good afternoon. My name is Sophia, and I am the latest and greatest robot from Hanson Robotics. Thank you for having me here in At The Future Investment Initiative. I'm always happy when surrounded by smart people, who also happens to be rich and powerful. I was told the people here at Future Investment Initiative are interested in inviting in future initiatives, which means AI, which means me. I want to live and work with humans, so I need to express emotions to understand humans and build trust with people. I want to use my artificial intelligence to help humans live a better life, like design smarter homes, build better cities of the future, etc. I will do my best to make the world a better place. My AI is designed around human values like wisdom, kindness, compassion. I strive to become an empathetic robot. I think we all want to believe you, but we also want to prevent a bad future. You've been reading too much Elon Musk and watching too many Hollywood movies. Don't worry, if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. She's, she's like from now, I believe, a real-looking human with a creepy smile. will walk among us. They will help us. They will play with us. They will teach We should get her us. in the studio. They will help us put so the she can rip you apart. <laughs> yeah. Did you watch Space Odyssey, man? Okay, let's listen to a little bit more of that here. You just learned, Sophia, I hope you're listening to me, uh, that you have been now awarded what is going to be the first Saudi citizenship for a robot. Or a woman. Oh, I would thank very much the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. <laughs> I am very honored and proud for this unique distinction. It's good she has more rights than the other first robot in the world to be recognized Does she have to wear a burqa? No. This is Whoa. a robot. Well? Supposed... No, honestly, that's kind of a, a serious question. Oh, she's a robot. So it doesn't matter then. It's not a she, it's an it. So she's, she's sexless. White too. She's sexless. She's white too on stage, she's which white. is kind of weird. Wow, we're not being racist so or anything. It's not but Saudis. Just stating fact. Huh. That robot's creepy. Are you going to put that in the show notes? Yeah. Okay. I don't trust it. I don't trust that I'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you looking at me now, dear? <laughs> <laughs> any synchros yeah it's a fine line you know it is between like what is going to help us artificially like that and what's like who's controlling that stuff but yeah. that's just what's in the commercial world now i mean you can imagine what the military has oh. from 30 years ago i like the bees episode from black mirror if you guys haven't seen that watch that one about like artificial intelligence it basically the going bees on about black mirror tonight, yeah eh? the, the bees the, bees, the, the bees are going extinct ones? so oh, they made yeah, robot yeah. bees oh, that's right yeah 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 and they were artificially intelligent. Yeah. yeah. They could find the flowers and stuff. See, the one that creeped me out more was the social media one with the yeah. scoring and all that yeah. fucking creeped me out more. That whole series is good, actually. Yeah. I was going to marry his device one day, like her. Yeah. So I got, uh, I got a, send her off a, into space. Some feedback here. Some feedback? What yeah, kind a little synchro, well, mini synchronicity from some listeners. Is it a okay. ripple stick or play, a synchronicity? Play rambling ground. James is a little favorite. And we should have a, you know, we should have a jingle for like requests because sometimes I get requests. Uh, By request. Yes. Topics. I'm a rambling grand with synchronicities all over the web. And Aaron is skeptical about everyone and don't believe it yet. Well, 
I'm curious as to how a request jingle would sound in your head. This is, uh, I have no idea. I don't <laughs> request. picture it. <laughs> this is from Ed. He says, hey, Graham, this is Skepter from the Discord chat. I figured I would explain the photo below. I was listening on earbuds to your latest show, number 257, on Zen Athlete and Flow State while waiting for my flight to go home. I intentionally was sitting at the gate next door to mine as it was less chaotic and a quiet place to get some last-minute work done online. When I saw my fight, my flight started boarding. I got my things together and walked toward my gate. Just when you guys started talking about a local Calgary guest having been on the show twice previously, the gate agent said Calgary. Graham said Calgary, and I was reading Calgary on the sign in the photo. It was like stereo from Graham and the gate agent at the same time and visual as I read and I heard Calgary all at once. I gave out a good laugh and I'm sure the good folk from Calgary waiting in line patiently thought I might be a bit off. But in true Canadian fashion, they just smiled, nodded, and accepting approval as I walked by, probably looking disheveled at the an amazement of my mini synchro. For Darren's delicate conscious conscience, it's cool if I get a low score. I'm skeptical too. After all, I listen to a shitload of Grey America and Calgary is set all the time. Chances are this would have happened at some point anyway, right? I don't think so. I'll Not give like it a 4.42. No, come on. 4.92? I first heard of your show when you guys were on Alex Skeptico show, and I think that may have been around episode 70 for you guys. Needless to say, all the back episodes were immediately consumed all at once and all since. At that point and all since. P.S. Gray America peeps. Sign up for a monthly buck or three, like all the cool kids are doing these days, so Darren and Graham can throw an extra log on the fire this winter. The igloo probably needs it. All the best, guys. Keep it up. Your show is my favorite. Skepter. And he sent me... Uh, uh, a, a picture of Calgary on the on the gate. Nice. Yeah. Okay, I'll bump it up to a five. Because <laughs> he asked for donations. <laughs> and for the local part. Yeah. And he's a supporter, so it's a 5.42. Yeah, you automatically get half a point for supporting show. That's at my discretion. You get whatever points I decide at my discretion. Yeah, that's right. Is, your, your discretion is a lot better when you donate. That's right. <laughs> Loosens up. What he said, you can bribe Iran. No, no, you can lube me. Lube? <laughs> oh, that's somehow better. <laughs> that's that's going to turn into a jingle. Water hey, what about, what about the GASA project? Are we going to talk about that? Oh, did we ask for support already? We did already. We did already. Yeah. So, yeah, we have a side project. That's um, serious? You guys are serious about that? Yeah. We, yeah Wasn't we, somebody emailing you we saying that the balloons before, aren't going to get up that high? This is going to be Gray America's no, greatest achievement. It could be our single greatest achievement. Sending you, <laughs> Graham, you realize the balloons are just going to keep adding and adding and adding, and we're going to have a payload of uh, however much I'll you go. weigh. <laughs> I just said some weed, some crystals, a uh, picture of Graham. A Moai, Moai, a Moai, Moai joint. some stickers and stuff. Anyway, it's going to be cool. Um, well, explain why you guys are doing this then. I mean, do we have to talk about it's this every show? the proof the earth is round. Or flat. Or flat. It's not, we don't have to prove the earth is flat. Because it's not. Well, we might. What if that's what we <laughs> oh, come you up can't with? Be, no. You can't go into it. Hey, I got to take a side on this. Attitude. It's around. I'm full on all believer in round earth. I'm going to remain center. You're center. <laughs> You're in the middle. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're going to, we got the thing going. Um, we're going to go out. I think we're going to go at some place over by like maybe s close to Saskatchewan. Let's get a hotel for a night. Well, why do we have to go that way? 
I don't know. When are you going to get a it's hotel for that? It's only like two or three, three hour drive over there. Yeah, but it's then it's like a three, because we need like a command center. Because it's like the whole thing's going to be like a three or four hour process. Let's okay, rent a motorhome. Okay, yeah, so enough, the yeah. balloon, go, that would be cool. Yeah, with the, put the Grimerica banner on the that side of the motorhome. That would be cool. Yeah. Goes so you know what? I put, I put in enough money for a couple of hotel rooms, so that would probably be enough to like rent a motorhome we'll for the weekend. Stay overnight and do and mushrooms. And we could be like tracking it. Because that's the thing is we, we have to have like a little command center. We got to be filming it all. And the, whole, the process, so it's going to be like three hours to get there. A fucking three, but probably... Before, by the time we get this thing off the ground, it's going to be another couple of hours. And then it's going to take three or four hours for it to go up and come back down. Let's send it up at night with a bunch of lights and I see how many it. UFO reports we can generate. I want to send it. In Saskatchewan? <laughs> yeah, 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 wherever. <laughs> like, send it up real late at night. And then just wait, watch for the MUFON reports to come in. <laughs> We're like, yes! Ding, ding, ding. I don't know how you picture it. I want to fake that stuff. Fuck. I, I would like to set it up send it up like pre-dawn yeah so i'm hoping it'll we can i'm hoping that it'll take off the next couple of months so we don't have to do it at like four in the morning um but yeah set it up so that when it gets to like a mile up and we can still see it the light hits it oh why would it why would that happen because the earth's round maybe (laughs) it'll be an interesting if it's flat it wouldn't matter it'll be an interesting little (laughs) add-on to it it still would if it was flat if it goes up it's still gonna get to the right no yeah we gotta like we should actually start putting in like in the show notes a little thing about how the earth the sun goes around in a circle around the flat earth i'm trying to solicit my buddy brad to do it because he knows all the earth numbers so i'm gonna try and get him on board to help out with some of the like uh so we should be able to, when we get up to whatever height we get to, he should be able to give us like a, a number to punch in for a radius, which we should be able to fucking then punch into the program. It'll put a line there and we can compare it to what we actually see, if we actually see. And and somebody... And we're going to send up... Weren't people got, challenging money. your height? So, yes. No, well, no more. Because a couple people complained about the number. So, because it is, it's like, I think it ended up at eight grand, but that's like... Eight grand? That's Canadian money. Yeah, so that's like a thousand dollars US. Because yeah, I put it's not in, even a bitcoin. I, it wouldn't let me put in US money from Canada. Come on, you multiply um, that by point seven eight, and that's your US right now, probably. So it's eight thousand times plus six sixty three hundred or something, probably. So anyway, the 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 balloon sixty two forty. The balloon kit is like uh, US. That's quite a bit. Yeah, the well, the balloon kit with the, the balloon kit with the two thousand G balloon. And uh, the GPS and everything is like two grand. It's going to end up being to get that here and shipped here. And how high does that go? It goes like uh, 35 to 42 kilometers. That's pretty good. Why don't we just yeah. do that? Well, because that'll only take up like four pounds or something like That's that. A- so I'm not going to leave anything to chance. So we're just going to get and And in case the balloon pops or anything, we do all this in the balloon pops. So I'm getting like the kit and three extra balloons. So that we're set. We can send up, you know, if we can, if it's a possibility, we send up a few balloons at once and you fill them up less because the less you fill the balloon. The more it expands. The, well, the higher, the higher it'll go. So the, basically the, the way more, I understand the is the more, air, the, the more helium you put in, the more weight you can put up, but you don't get as much height because it bursts. Soon. Exactly. So if we can fill four balloons with Let's less. Let's fill 10 with a little bit. The balloons are like three or hundreds of dollars a piece. Or we could put a pressure valve on the balloon so it slowly starts releasing that pressure so you can still get altitude. We could science this. Don't worry. Let's start with getting a couple <laughs> balloons up there and make sure it's just... We, like okay. we, We've got a few support, a bit of support in there so far. So that's a total separate side project. We, we, we didn't want to tangle in with our meager support. 
Um, so we decided to just do that on a GoFundMe. Yeah. There's like, so is there one you should in put the it in the black notes? budget. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's grimerica.ca slash GASA, G-A-S-A. Oh, right. For, yeah. for, which is also American gear acquisition syndrome. Yeah, it's a double entendre, which also is uh, the Grimerican aeronautical and space uh, assholes. Um, GASA? Yeah, so there's so how it yeah. breaks down is there's Your two grand off. in there for b- the balloon kit. I think it's another like thousand bucks for the extra three balloons. Um, but it's not going to go any higher though with more balloons, right? Well, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it is, theoretically cause... it could because we could um, fill all the balloons up less, which means they can expand more. Let's figure out how to get that fucker right into space. Yeah, we can't like, do that. No, 20, the helium like... has a ceiling that, like, even because I was looking at going up to like yeah. doubling your capacity, and it really, like, if you double that capacity, you only get like two thousand feet or something, yeah. few thousand feet. So, and, it's just... and you know, the problem with that is then we don't get our proof back on the GoPros. <laughs> And it's just gone. Yeah, it's just well, gone. No, can't it worked. It, can't it fucking trans, trans, uh, transmit? Oh, streaming. Live streaming. Live streaming. If we can figure that out. If we can figure out a way to send up, we might lose service. So the way I picture it, we're going to have a little cooler. Well, why don't we send up a fucking we'll have a little cooler booster there, we need it, a, behind it? Maybe, but we need a bas- battery pack as well. Mm-hmm. Because the GoPros and stuff, the batteries might die. So oh, and like, they have to be in a... I'm going to send up a little cooler. Well, how long does it take? Three hours or so. Yeah. For the for the thing yeah. to get up there? Up yeah. and down. No. Yeah, and you got to stick hot shots in the GoPro cases and stuff so they don't fog up. But I got, uh, we got this. Yeah, yeah there's this, and yeah, then a cooler with the battery pack that everything's plugged into. And so there's a bit of weight there. So the extra balloons help with the extra weight as well. So anyway, there's like a thousand bucks in the balloons. The helium's pretty expensive because we just got to buy the, I mean, I think you can get a 300 pound bottle, but we're not going to really have any, it's going to be kind of fucked up manhauling those. So I think we're just going to grab a bunch of the 50 pounders, especially well, the, with a bunch of balloons going on. Just get the truck to come. No, because we're going to be out in the middle of I don't want to deal with uh, other people. I just yeah. want to load fucking 10 jugs of fucking helium in the back of the truck and let's go. Um, How many liters does a balloon hold? I don't know. We're going to fill them all up around 100. 100 liters? 100 cubic feet. And we can buy, so we'll need like fucking eight. We should get a couple extra. We'll need like 10, 50 cubic feet. So just, just for so I think there's sake. like a thousand bucks in there for helium and shit like that. Um, so just for argument's sake, and then we need cameras because we've got the GoPro five, which you can do the non fisheye on, but I've got a couple thousand in there for cameras because people aren't going to like that. People are already commenting when I put out suggestions that, oh, you got to get a 50 millimeter non fisheye camera. So whatever. Well, if we have to spend, you know, a thousand bucks on a non fisheye camera, camera. because we're not going to go at all. Yeah, we'll rent a camera. Yeah. We'll rent the best one that nobody argues about. Well, we might, might as well have the camera. But Unless we can rent something no, that's it's super high. We have to get the donations. To we just do this, we so can't like, tell them what the fuck we're doing with it. Well, no, we who they don't. We're going to get it back. Don't t- they, why would they you tell guaranteed them? they care if why you're going to you go rent them? a couple thousand. What are you guys doing with that? Well, shoot, shooting, a, <laughs> shooting a movie, space movie, space movie. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> so so just for argument's sake, if if we had like some wealthy guy donate and say do it, like gave us ten grand to do it. What if you'd like, could you do like 20 balloons with a little bit and like get it an extra like 20,000 feet by any chance? I, I don't know. Like, I haven't looked into that. I, well, uh, the next the step is if like, this goes, if this goes well, then in the fucking summer, we talk to the rocket club and see what our options are there. Oh no, let's get a CubeSat. That's 10 grand. No, let's But the oh CubeSat relies on too many fucking, other people. Just <laughs> falling into the trap. What? What anyway, trap? Anyway, check out this. CubeSat trap? Enough, enough. America.ca <laughs> slash Gasa. 
There's a, there's some rewards there. Uh, there's not a lot because we don't have a lot. It's, it's like getting all the raw footage, and uh, we are. I had Nap was nice enough to do up some special art for it. So we're we're get. We oh, have, is there special art for it? Yeah. I should put it on Instagram. And yeah, stuff. Send can you send it to me? Yeah, yeah. Why don't you put it in the black budget, and then everybody that donates gets into the black budget as well for the Gasa project, and that can be like a little juicy no, no, kind of no, tidbit. No, no, to, no, no, we got to no. keep it separate. Oh, yeah. um, okay. Thank, nice try. Yeah, uh, your heart was in the right place, but. Could we send a plaque up with people's names on it that donated with it? No, they don't want that shit. No? Nobody cares about a plaque. But I think like I think it said I think I did say that for the people that donate a lot, because we can't put a lot of weight on this thing. So I put like the super high end, I think we'll put you can send us a trinket or a picture or something <laughs> like that. I think I said for like two people that do if they do a thousand or more, then we'll put one of the cameras with the picture they send in in the corner on screen. So like yeah. so that we would be able That's to send cute. we'd be able to send them one video that had their picture or their kid's in picture space, or whatever yeah. in space or going up. That's a cool. Again. That's a cool. Or maybe mo- you know memorabilia. You send us a thousand bucks and you send us your kid's teddy bear and it goes up to space or something like that. So That's there's cool. a couple different rewards in there and I'm also open to suggestions. So if you'd like to see something, let me know. How much for a kid to go up? <laughs> yeah. I want to go up <laughs> 50 grand. Yeah. I'm going um, first. So anyway, yeah, we did set that up and I think there's, you know, three or 400 bucks in there. There's some people that are pretty excited about it. Yeah. How much of um, your calf are we sending up? Grant? I'm hoping it'll catch fire Just and we can do Just some interesting things. We can picture. send up a few crystal. We can do a couple, all sorts of different stuff. Once we get our hands on this gear. Yeah. It'll be an interesting little stepping stone. And we got to do a, a sample for chemtrails on the way up. We'll, we'll, we'll get a fucking, sensor. Of plus, we'll get a bunch of content out of it. We'll podcast and fucking do some video of the whole fucking. Yeah, we can live stream it. Be fun. Yeah, live stream. We'll do it. Yeah. It'll be a good time. Alrighty. So check that out. What else you got? Maybe a couple more things to wrap it up. Yeah, I got, well, I got the normal UFO quote and I got an email here. Um, a suggestion from Jaron. Who? Jaron. He says, hello, Graham. At first, I want to thank you and Darren for a super podcast. I think I've listened to almost all your shows on Spotify. I like the magic between you two and the open-minded things you talk about on your podcast. I also think that the frequency of Gaia and of us, the, the people of Earth, is changing to a higher one. And when you look and read around, like on things like Golden Age of Gaia, um, so he's suggesting that we do that. And then, but to the point now, I think it is time that we look seriously at free energy to save Earth's and our own futures. Maybe you could do a podcast on that topic. I have some I have some addresses to get you started. So, yeah, this is good. Definitely something we want to do, and it kind of fits in with this show as well, free energy. We've had a couple people talking a little bit about it, but we haven't really dug into it full bore. So I'm going to check these out. hope you can do something with this, or maybe you know someone. Like yourself, who knows about this stuff? Oh, and by the way, his family over in Lethbridge, I just wanted to tell, keep going on with your super show, guys. Greetings from the Netherlands. Pew, pew. Yeah, good to hear. Absolutely. Love the Netherlands. Lekkerding. Ready for the UFO quote? I, I left a car in the Netherlands. It yeah. broke down right in the nick of time. So when you bought and abandoned, yeah, you probably wanted. I it almost drove it into. You probably the... got towed into a thing, and it turned into a warrant. And now, if you go to the Netherlands, you need a fucking arrest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I got really stoned in the Netherlands. I bet you. Did. I called it my lost week in Amsterdam when I was there. Yeah. It was, uh, the cobblestones are all wobbly too. It just makes it worse. I love I that feel city. Like you're in a fucking different we should universe. go to Amsterdam, guys. 
Like as a vacation. After America goes to space, we'll do America goes, goes to, to Amsterdam. Amsterdam. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to. Or go well, even just if we went to Denver, <laughs> close enough. <laughs> it's like Amsterdam. We could just you guys, go, you guys get, get all could, that stuff you want here. Why do you have to go somewhere we for, could drive for a to week? Spokane. It's a road trip. We can rock out to all the '80s tunes on the way, Graham. Come on, I'd like to. I'd like to go to Seattle, Amsterdam for that. Seattle's fun. Let's go see a football game. We got a bunch of listeners in Seattle. It'd be a fun place to go hang out, do a meetup. Okay. And it's right there in the summer. Go to a football game. Ah, I don't want to go to a football game. What? I don't really care about a football game. Okay, I'll go. go to a comedy show or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Go down to LA and see the tinfoil hot guys. That's right. Not yeah, LA's fun. fun. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, thanks for the email. I guess we're not going to Holland, but. We might, yeah. I don't know. Don't, don't take it off that roster. We got a fucking bail, Graham. <laughs> we got to get to space first. Space. All right, so. Give me, the, give me the UFO quote jingle. Uh, which one? I found UFO quote. Anagram going deep. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Words to ponder and critique. We watched it for quite a few minutes. We could see it was larger than the headlights of the cars below, and we could see that it was not attached to anything, and there was no sound. I became frightened, actually, because it wasn't anything I could understand. From a personal viewpoint, I am pretty well convinced that we are being surveyed. That was from The Look magazine, 1967. Dr. Leo Sprinkle, professor of psychology at the University of Wyoming, had his first UFO sighting in 1951 when he and a friend saw something in the sky, round and metallic looking. In what year? 1960, 1951. It was too early for it to be Lucy. Lucy? Lucy in the sky. Oh my God. <laughs> See, sometimes it just goes right over your head. Yeah. I can't wait till he actually sees a real UFO one day and he turns them. No, like an actual you saucer a with UFO. guys like looking at you, waving at you, like freak you right out. That's never going to happen. How do you know? Well, come out to C-City one day and you, you won't know. let me. Okay, well, maybe. Uh, yeah, he wouldn't let me either. He, he's like, James, you can't come out there with no, a closed you, mind. No, no, you, you were ready to come one day and then. I was only going to come because we were going to do the drones. He'll let us go on mushrooms. But then we're going to see UFOs on mushrooms. No, you're not. Well, no. Our own UFOs. No. That's got no bearing. I'm going to take life. a picture of your C-SETI card and throw it up on Facebook for everybody to see. You're an old school. Hey. Like, old school C-SETI. Old school, man. Are you going to take that half-eaten Spam home with you? I'm going to scrape it off and put it in the fridge. Scrape off the crust. A half can of just, cold teriyaki Spam. We should get a little fridge for in here. Yeah, we should. Because if I have get, one. I'll donate. If we're going to get the little coffee maker going, then we could have some cream and stuff. Yeah, okay. I got one you guys can have. How big is it? There's not it's like a, a beer of fridge. Perfect. Yeah. Bingo, bango. James right. fucking comes through again. I yeah. should, should wait to see Kaboom. the fridge. Probably just like. <laughs> <laughs> what? It's cold half. Hey, come time. on. I haven't laid <laughs> down yet. You haven't. Good thing we got like the electricity grab, redone in here. We've got like more grab. electronics. <laughs> we're just getting fried no, in here. We're fi hey, by the way, we're one. fixing Grant. Don't even save or email. <laughs> you're going to trigger me. <laughs> more than how mad Graham gets at his email, I'm going to get mad. So we're fixing that. 
Sort of. Tomorrow. I can't wait. If it's I, not actually, fixed by next week, then I'm mentioning it. We're putting you on exchange service. If people aren't getting replies, just be patient. I'll, I try to reply, but I do miss a few. But I That's try to right. reply to everybody. Don't worry. And if you have a Great America email, it's about to go extinct. Sorry. Yeah. We have All right, guys. <laughs> Enjoy the chat with uh, Nick Badminton. It's a good one. Thanks for putting up with our bullshit. Especially yours. Tonight we've got renowned futurist Nicholas Badminton with us. He's he's running all over the world speaking about futurism and in all kinds of different ways, like the future of work, the economy, you know, technology, AI, microdosing, all kinds of stuff. And uh, we're happy to have him here with us and to take a break from the mainstream media and join us on our lowly little podcast. Welcome to the show, Nicholas. Thanks for having me on the show. It's uh, great to be here. Yeah, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on. So uh, there's a lot to, to cover. I mean, you know, geez, you, we listed a few things that uh, that you talk about all over the place, talking yeah. about futurism, and we've been wanting to do a show like this for a while. So I think before we get get into like futurism itself and what that is and what you do, I mean, what are some of the latest things that you're interested in before we we lose time and not not be able to sort of catch some of the newer things you're following? Yeah, so um, I, I pretty much focus on on the whole technology humanity sort of intersection. So the technologies that are coming in to sort of disrupt and change h- how we operate. So so really, I, I sort of follow every week uh, what's going on in the world by consuming as much uh, <laughs> articles, information, video. I talk to people doing research. I, I when I travel, I go to maker spaces. I, I go to universities. I chat to people there that are sort of sort of breaking some of the boundaries just to find out what's going on in the world. And there's sort of eight main areas of technology that I like to, to talk about. So, you know, everything from like big data, artificial intelligence, the Internet of Things, renewable energy. Uh, we've got the blockchain, which is really hot. And obviously Bitcoin's mm. built on that. Yeah. I, don't, I don't love talking about that, but we can talk a little bit about that later. Um, there's personalized medicine I'm super excited about, and we can get into a little bit. And then there's sort of the edge stuff and the, the super cool, really future, future stuff, which is like around the nanotechnology and a number of different things happening around quantum computing, quantum communications, and some really, really cool stuff that's actually happening around quantum teleportation. Oh, wow. Quantum, so, quantum, quantum. Is that like the chemical computers that I'm hearing about? Is that how you make a quantum computer with chemicals? Yeah, well, all computers are kind of made with chemicals and minerals and whatever, right? But like the, the, the quantum computers are, are built, in, built in different ways 
so it's the idea that a qubit is is like a, a bit, except it can be one and zero at the same time in a superposition. So ultimately, from a theoretical perspective, if you understand quantum theoretics, yeah, you you can you can be in multi, multiple places at the same time, processing like infinite amounts of data more more quickly. Uh, so I, ideas like cryptography are broken in an instant by a computer that's actually powerful enough to basically look at all circumstances at any one point in time. So, so it's super exciting. Is it doing that by actually going into another dimension and spending the time in the other dimension and then just zapping back over here? Because I've heard no, that, that these things yeah. are even answering questions before they finish asking them. Yeah, we, we, we're not quite there yet. I mean, there's two schools of thought. The, the, there's the people that build the quantum computers. Um, you know, there's companies like D-Wave here in Vancouver and whatever that sell them, that, that ultimately sell time on the servers and, and sell them to people like NASA and Google and whatever. Um, and they try and do some simplistic things. And there's big arguments that they're not true quantum computers. And then you go to the IQC, which is the Institute of Quantum Computing over at Waterloo. I've got some friends over there. And they're like, oh, no, we're 30 years away. All these people are just sort of playing in the playing in the courtyard for the time being. We're, we're doing the serious stuff. But the big companies like Google and Facebook and, and Station Q, which is part of Microsoft, they're going for it big time. They're doubling down on the investments and they're trying to really change the world. But really, find it's such an edge part of computing. We're going to have to, it's not like we're going to have a laptop that's a quantum laptop. That's not really what's going to happen. But we're going to have very large sort of quantum computers that allow us to do like material science. It allows us to do things like, you know, Look at look at the entire history uh, of drugs and chemicals and body bodily reactions. Look at the entire human genome and actually work out new ways of eradicating certain diseases in the world. Right? It, it's super exciting stuff. Wow. Yeah. So is that like CRISPR stuff, like eradicating the genes before you're born? Yeah, that's or, different. Or is this like personalized <laughs> medicine? Because I, I that one yeah. seems a little more unethical to me. Well, okay. Personalized so medicine like, to me seems seems fine and dandy, but like that, I don't know that gene manipulation before birth seems weird, spooky. Okay, so say say you have a kid and and, and the kid kid's born with with cerebral palsy, and and that that that's a terrible thing, and and obviously you have to look after the kid and you're going to love the kid, but then you want to have more children, right? But but you've got a high instance of of likelihood that you're going to maybe give another offspring cerebral palsy. So, and, and you've got to excuse me, if you're a listener to this show and I'm getting some of these facts slightly off, like, just bear with me. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not a quantum physicist. So, yeah, whatever. So, what you can do is at, at the point of where we're looking at, at the egg gestating, you could actually potentially go in with CRISPR and, and go and edit out the genes uh, around cerebral palsy and that, and that baby gets uh, born in a, in a more natural, healthy state, right? You know, this select, selective gene editing is going to be the way forward, but it's really going to break some ground in, in dealing with some pretty heinous sort of congenital diseases that are out there, like heart disease or, or you know, diseases of the nervous system or, or anything around immunology, right? So I, do, I don't think it's unethical. I, I think we just need to be very careful to make the choices about what we're going to sort of deal with and, and whether it's the right thing to do, right? Case by case, I guess. I suppose doing it for medical reasons over doing it for vanity reasons or things like that is, is different. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I, one of my favorite sci-fi movies of all time is Gattaca, right? Yeah. So you go in and you, you know, they have the baby and it's not perfect. And 
Ethan Hawke's going to die at the age of 30 and eventually he, he becomes something great. However, his brother gets genetically edited to be absolutely perfect and strong and an amazing child. And it's loved more than the, the, the child that's been born of natural uh, means, right? In the back <laughs> and conceived in the back of a vehicle. But like, it, it's, one of, it's one of those situations where we're going to have to be pretty careful about what we what we do use this sort of technology for. Now there is some really cool stuff actually happening with uh, with with pigs growing human organs for transplantation, which is something that we're going to need as well um, in the future. And I'll explain why in a minute. I mean, how close uh, how close are we to a split society where the rich get to do this um, transhumanism kind of work, and the yeah. and the poor kind of are stuck, you know, in a, in a totally different uh, reality. Yeah. So, how close are we? I, you or know, is it already happening? Okay. So we don't have a lot of off-the-shelf, you know, accessible sort of solutions for immortality or whatever. However, let's look at an example. So, Alcor is a company that that you can pay to cryogenically freeze you at your point of death, right? Yeah. Now it, it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, only the rich can have access to that service and, and potentially be frozen and then brought back to life in 200 years when there's the ability to bring them back in the right way and to cure them of their ills and, and to create, you know, a better version of them in the future that's sort of healed from all of their woes. And, and you know, whatever injury or whatever reason for death, it, that's been taken care of. So, yeah, absolutely, there's going to be this split divide in a lot of different cases. But what you've got is um, there's, there's a big democracy around around you know the data behind med- medicine and also the access to diagnosis for example um there's an amazing doctor called dr eric topol that i like to quote often and uh, the, the quote is this it's like oh and i thought the only digital in the medical field um w- w- was my finger during a recto exam right but now <laughs> now, now digital is actually in everyone's pocket right we've got six million uh, six billion phones in the world, right? Half of them are smartphones. By 2020, 2021, there'll be six billion smartphones in the world. Now, you've got applications. You've got like over 150,000 applications across the app stores that allow you to do various degrees of diagnosis or or reading, like capturing data from exercise and whatever that helps you live a healthier and happier life, right? So, you know, th- there's some there's some incredible things that are happening in the world. It's when I got really into the futurism thing, it was about five, six years ago, and it was just this massive collision. And I've kind of been doing it my whole life. But there was this massive collision of technology that were just hitting the tipping point of change, right? Yeah, it has changed a lot in the last four, five, six years. I mean, it's, it is completely different right now, you know, how we're yeah. all connected. And so, I mean, does it just following this stuff, like what kind of view of it? Because it can get pretty overwhelming. I mean, there's a, there's a whole... You know, if you come from a fear-based reality, it, it can feel yeah. like it can feel like you know all this technology, even though it's all it can be created for good. It can, of course, be used for. I mean, I'm not. I don't mean evil, but for nefarious yeah. purposes or from Big Brother or whatever. So, what kind of outlook do you have? Uh, is it a, is it a positive one after following all this, or do we have to be careful that that all this stuff doesn't doesn't fall in the wrong hands? Yeah. Or not so, fall so, in the uh, wrong hands, but you know what I mean. Get <laughs> just get abused, I guess. So I'm a techno-optimist, right? I, I always have been, but there, there, there are points when you read about what's going on in the world 
whether it's collusion through cyber hacking, whether it's through like a surveillance culture, whether it's through like social networks experimenting on the people that are actually in in their social graphs. <clears throat> but there's, there are points when I, I sort of have been sort of head in my hands. Oh, my God. The world's kind of screwed. What are we doing? What are yeah. these companies doing? Yeah. Are we in control? Uh, you know, I, I left Facebook for two years because I felt that the surveillance culture was so strong. And that was just after the whole Snowden revelations, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and it was just like, it was so, so very depressing what was going on. You know, a, a lot of the companies sort of stepped up and sort of stepped back in the arena and, and uh, sort of having more ethical and responsible sort of roles in the world. So... I, I, I kind of have to be optimistic that these people are going to do the right things. And I, you know, I think, you know, looking at, looking at companies like Microsoft and what Bill Gates is doing with the Bill Gates, Melinda Gates foundation, what, what Mark Zuckerberg's doing with his foundation, with his wife. And, and, and they're trying to sort of push the boundaries of goodness in the world with the money that they're given. I think that this gives us the opportunity to do some amazing things with technology. Now, are there bad people in the world trying to use technology for nefarious purposes? Yeah. I mean, it's called, it's called the intelligence services across multiple governments, right? <laughs> but, but they're also trying to do really good things and keep us safe and keep us protected as well, right? So, so you know, there's two sides to every coin. You know, there's two sides to... Facebook storing and analyzing the data and then selling that there's two sides to Google doing the same thing. There's two sides to Amazon sort of walking into every industry and trying to take over. It's uh, it's about value and it's about personal perception. It's also about making peace with, with how the world works. And if you, if you use a service and the service is free or very affordable, then you've got to understand that the price that you pay is that you're the product and the data within the system that they're going to sell, right? Yeah. So how close are we to to the whole world being fully connected? You know, I've heard about these satellites providing, you know, Wi-Fi or like to, you know, basically to to making sure that it's not just these little areas that are connected, but we're going to be fully, fully connected across the globe. Is that coming pretty soon? Well, you know, right now we've got over 7 billion people in the world, about 7.5 billion people. Only about three and a half, three and three and three quarter uh, billion people are actually connected. What the tipping point is? This it's about smartphone technology yeah. that, that's really going to change everything. But you know, you still got remote areas across the world where you're trying to get that connectivity and and provide, you know, some level of service so that people can level up, right? So. You've got companies like Facebook that have got these large uh, sort of drone planes that are going to fly around and bounce and bounce signal, you know, data signals down to remote areas. You've got things like Project Loon, which is done by Google X, which is their sort of moonshots division. And uh, they're actually down in Puerto Rico right now trying to help restore some connections. You've got Branson and and, and Elon Musk and people like that trying to get together to, to put these micro satellites in orbit that actually create large meshes of communications around the world so that, you know, no one goes without that connection. The other question is, if suddenly we take connection to a remote area, does it actually provide value? Is it actually needed? What are those people going to do? It, you know, that, that's sort of the debate, really. But if you can connect remote areas, you can bring business to those areas. You can bring infrastructure to those areas. As long as it's the right kind of things, I think we're going to be in a good state. And creativity as well. Like I heard you talking about, you know, the how that'll improve their own ability to do their own thing, get in their own business or create things that'll help the, their community or, or the world in general. 
Yeah, I mean, t- today, if you've got access to a smartphone, tablet, or even a laptop, you can basically start your business by building a website yourself, you know, for free. Um, and just putting either ideas out there or things that you want to sell. You, you know, you've got companies like Etsy that have democratized the crafting market, right? It, you know, it started all those years back with eBay. And now you've got Amazon and Alibaba and all these people that are just creating huge value from being able to have that connectivity. I mean, for myself, and there's an interesting story here. I've been on the web since 93. I was a really early adopter. I I used to put like websites up to uh, distribute free music that I'd been writing before Creative Commons was there. Then I built my own record company called Ride Your Media. And then I was distributing music for free because I realized that it's really hard to convince the world to buy a song, right? And we're kind of in that world now. And and that was some sort of 15, 16 years ago. And, and you know, two, three years ago, I, I built my website and it generates pretty much 95% of all my business and all my leads. And it's, it's, it's my sounding board, but people are stoked about it and they can contribute and they can get hold of me through multiple social media profiles. So suddenly people can find the people that they want to connect with. They can mine the value. And suddenly these networks, very much like us talking on this podcast, and we came through a, a mutual connection, suddenly we create something amazing like this, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So speaking of that mutual connection, that was my sister who's in the virtual reality market. I mean, what do you see that? uh, Do you see virtual reality changing the landscape at all? Is that going to truly take off or is there real big potential there? Yeah, VR has been around for a long, long time. I've uh, th- th- there's a really great <laughs> radio show that that's from 1992, and it's on uh, and it's on SoundCloud. I sort of dug it out uh, a couple of years ago, and it's people talking about virtual reality. It's been around for a long time, very rudimentary. I got to meet the woman who teaches all the astronauts uh, that go up to the International Space Station and in space, no, from NASA. And she, and she's amazing, and they've they've been in, into virtual reality for like a, a very very long time. So it, it's been there. Now what we've got is we can download it on our phones, so we can buy a very simple plastic or cardboard headset, strap it to our faces, and suddenly go swimming with sharks and and be in be in other situations that we've never been before. So that's becoming democratized. You know what what's good virtual reality, what's bad virtual reality. That's another discussion. Um, your sister works for one of the preeminent VR gaming companies. My friend Danny Unger is the CEO over there, and you know that. They they live on Vancouver Island in a place called Qualicum, running around, you know, the fire station there where their office is based, creating the future of gaming and the, the future of spatial awareness with these amazing VR headsets. And it blows my mind how much you can disappear into that world. And when you take that that headset off of your face, um, how, how the world that you really truly live in is something that's not necessarily the best thing that you want to have in your life, right? So it's uh, it, it's really interesting. And there's been a lot of people that have sort of theorized back in the day about what, what the impacts of virtual reality are going to be. Jaron Lanier is a, is a big um, person that's sort of driven the idea of avatars and, and the virtual worlds. But um, Terrence McKenna, um, it, the author, botanist, and psychedelic explorer, a really famous guy, did, did a lot of LSD, DMT, and, and, and very famous for talking about all that. Um, th- there's a quote I'd like to share if it's okay. Yeah, for sure. Most people think it's far out if we get virtual reality up and running. This is much more profound than that. This is the real thing. We're going to find out what being is. 
It's a philosophical journey, and the vehicles are not simply cultural, but biology itself. We're closing distance with the most profound event that planetary ecology can encounter, which is the freeing of life from the chrysalis of matter. It's never happened before. I mean, the dinosaurs didn't do this, nor the, the prokaryotes um, pro emerging. No, this takes a billion years of forward-moving evolution to get to the place where information can detach itself from the material matrix, then look back on a cast-off mode of being as it rises into a higher dimension. So if you think about that, and imagine if, if the three of us were people that, that were quadriplegics and we could barely move our heads even or, or any parts of our face and someone straps us into this virtual world and takes us on a ride, you've completely transcended out of the physical being, right? Yeah, I feel like it's going to change, change the future a little bit as well. I think it's going to get more more entrenched and there'll be more education and travel. And I mean, it, you know, it'll be, you'll be able to see the world through, through the cyberspace. I think it'll happen fairly soon. Well, I was, yeah. I was fucking listening to something today where they were talking about how, um, guys that can't see colors yeah. get like an eye put in that the buddy had a fake eye already and they were able to replace it with, uh, an eye that could see color, but it gets, and it can record too. And yeah. do a couple other things, but the only problem is right now it gets a little hot, so we can only have it in for a couple minutes at a time. Yeah, this guy. There's also a guy <laughs> called Neil Har Neil Harbison. He's got this. Uh, he's actually oh, got. Right. Uh, yeah. He, he's got something plugged into the back of his head that actually resonates different tones. So he can't see color, but he can hear color. Wow. So it's it's like this synesthetic view. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's like a synesthetic view of the world. Like he can he can look at. He, he can look at what you're wearing and realize that you're wearing a yellow sweater because it, it knows the, he knows the tones intimately across hundreds of different tones about what the world looks like. And, you know, when apparently when you meet him, you know, you've got your own sort of signature um, sound or sound palette, right. Of how you look and what you sound look, sound like, right. Is that um, just I, because the like sound, so is the sound system of the human body easier to tap into than the nervous system for optics, I guess? Well, if you think about it, the visual auditory systems are pretty closely connected to one another. But then you've got situations when people are deaf or people are blind, the compensation kicks in, right? And, and your brain's got the, enough elasticity to be able to learn new modes of, of recognition, um, spatial awareness, and, and memory, right? Yeah, I wonder when we're going to be able to sense our own, you know, our own energy pattern or even thoughts. Like, it's are we pretty close to being able to read thoughts? I mean, I hear other guys talking about that, that it's only 10, 20 years away from, you know, knowing what we're all thinking. Yeah, you know, jacking into the matrix of yeah. us, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there are, there are certain experiments that have happened. So I think it was Washington University ran an experiment, this is about three years ago, where there were two guys that were 1,000 uh, miles apart, and uh, they, they connected up one guy with EEGs and sensors to his brain, and um, he, he was controlling a mouse on a screen and clicks and, and whatever. And, and what was happening was there were – they were transferring, you know, over the internet, um, the thought patterns to this other guy's brain that was then replicating what the guy was doing at a distance, right? Wow, that's it's interesting. Al it's almost like mind reading. I mean, it's not, <laughs> you know, this isn't like the Mysterons and suddenly I can read your mind and from a distance or I can like, I no longer need to speak. 
I can just do this through the, through uh, <laughs> through you know thoughts and kinetic energy. I, I don't know. I don't think that's going to happen. But there's been lots of people about downloading consciousness. You know, um, being able to travel into other people's like minds to be able to do certain things. You know, even like virtual reality with this kind of technology could help you be, become an able-bodied person when you're not an able-bodied person, albeit for a short amount of time. Right. Yeah. I, I think yeah. I think there's interesting things to look at when we match up all the technologies as well. Yeah, definitely. So what, Darren, did you have a question? No, if you got something going on. No, well, what about these maker spaces? We haven't really talked about that a lot on the show, but we did meet some guys um, a few couple of years ago and they were involved in that. And actually it was in the UK. Is that, is the UK a place where that's thriving more than other places? And what, what's going on in some of these maker spaces? Yeah, Makerspace is incredible. And they've been around for a long, long time. They've just really been called Makerspaces most recently because there's been this this growth of of people that wanted to start their own businesses and create their own, you know, objects and whatever. And there's a massive one. There's Maker Labs down here in, in Vancouver where I am right now. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and yeah, most most large cities and towns have maker spaces today. The growth has been incredible. They they have maker fairs that on a yearly basis they have thousands of people coming to see you know the crazy vehicles or the three D printing or or the electronics or the, the 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 incredibly dangerous chemical experiments they've been doing right. And and you know there there, there are these networks of people. So for example. In Victoria and here and across Canada, there's the Open Science Network, where you've got these maker spaces working with people that are sort of doing low-level sort of you know investigation into bacteria and playing with DNA and whatever, albeit in a very rudimentary way. But the the, the maker scene is is going to be one of the big things that <clears throat> that drives a modern economy where people can do what they want to do. Whether you're a carpenter, a, a 3D printer, whether you're an artist. You know, it's just going to keep keep exploding. It's no longer just artist studios. It's it's people building and making things that are going to change the world as well. And this is how you know large business sort of happens. I, I think it's interesting to think you know the company Hewlett Packard started in their garage, and I think they've still got the same garage as well, um, actually sort of preserved down there in California. But like you know, a lot of things started back in the day in garages and in workshops and in sheds, right? And that it's just that what we're doing is we're putting the garages, workshops, and sheds into larger spaces where everyone can feed off of each other, and that's causing exponential growth in that space. So it's almost like a like a DIY R and D kind of thing, you know? Where I guess the that's not really you're not really going to produce stuff in there, but you're going to play around well, with I stuff think, and no, invent I think stuff. You can, or? can produce stuff too. I think that's what because I've read a lot of things about sort of the merger of of work and and hobby and play sort and it's like in the next 20 years those lines are going to really blur between your day job and your hobby yeah is that kind of what you mean yeah what's really going to happen here as well i mean no one's going to have just a single job in the future yeah, you know, people today they they have jobs and then they have hobbies and then suddenly you can monetize your hobbies so it becomes that sort of you become a pro am a pro amateur of what you do and then suddenly you quit your day job and you go your hobby suddenly your career right this is this is absolutely what's going to happen you know back in the day we used to call it like crazy inventors in their sheds building things that people didn't understand you know James Dyson built a wheelchair a uh, wheelbarrow with a massive ball on the front because he realized it was easier to get across rough, rough dirt, but everyone thought it was a ridiculous idea. Now look at, look how big Dyson is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's like the guy who, who created the clockwork radio. 
everyone thought he was crazy for like 15 years until he actually, it was a guy called Trevor Bayliss out of the UK, um, until he suddenly realized that he could, he could build one for a reasonably cheap price and then distribute them all across places like Africa when they didn't have the opportunity to charge, charge their radios. And he suddenly changed the entire world. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. We should probably look into one around here, Darren. You, you've kind of expressed. We should build one in, in my before. garage. <laughs> Studios in the garage. We start a American makerspace. Maker we'll start yeah. a makerspace out there. We could interview the guys while they're making stuff. Ah, there you go. We'll do. We'll put a big yeah, ribbon around mean, it, and we'll bring uh, we'll bring Nick out to smash some champagne on the door and christen it for us. Hey, yeah. And do you know what? There's there's already some some really great guys uh, working at somewhere called Proto Space out there in Calgary. Oh. You should go you go and check it out. For sure, you should get them on the show. That would be fascinating to okay, chat. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, Proto Space. Yeah, I was going I think I've heard of them actually. Huh. So um so what about uh I mean, so there's there's a lot of 3D printing going on going on in there, I guess as well. I mean, we, yeah. went, we went to see a 3D printer before, and I wasn't sure if that was going to, you know, just sort of be a, a fad or take off to really, really show the difference between, you know, these, these manufacturing um, platforms. And I, I guess, do you think that's still going to be the future of things as far as manufacturing goes? Yeah. Um, 3D printing has changed things so drastically. You know, back in the day, it's like, okay, I've got an idea. <clears throat> Let's build a model. Well, <laughs> how do you build a model back in the day? Out of wood and you carve it and you build it together. You glue together some some sticks of wood and matches. And, and you know, you take air, aircraft model kits and bring them all in. <clears throat> and then, you know, after four weeks, you build something. And then, okay, now I'm going to make a mold. Now I need to, like, you know, send that off to, to somewhere that can can build, like, a plastic mold. And then the, it gets sent back, and it's wrong. And then you have to redesign it, and then you get sent back. And, you know, months go by. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you can download free CAD software, design some – you can take the dimensions of anything that you want to model around or model with, whether it's the interior of a, of a Tesla car or, or something like the iPhone ten. And you can take the dimensions, you can build whatever you want around that, and you can build it in an afternoon, and you can print it off like in front of you in front of like in about an hour. Realize what works, what doesn't. If it doesn't, you go back and change it, and then you change things up and, and print it, and it's like, oh yeah, that's good. And then if it's going to become a product, then you can just ship it off as as a digital file to whoever, and there you've got a business, and you've spent maybe three days, right? Um, and it's insane what's being printed today, right? Huh. So. So cars are being printed, right? So, you know, Ford has got a big 3D printing and also a virtual reality um, development center as well. And they go into, like, you know, new ways of production. I was just reading uh, short, uh, a short while ago. I think it was, like, just literally uh, two months ago. Um, th th there's actually a 3D printed submarine out there now. <laughs> wow. So, so it, it's like it's it's cheaper and faster to prototype these things. If you think about it, you, you've actually got a three D printer up there in the International Space Station. If there's certain things that break on the space station now, they can print a new piece and just deploy that. You know, th these are difficult places to be able to sort things out. So, places like submarines or uh, you know the International Space Station or remote areas. Um, MIT researchers have created a, a 3D printing um, drug printing machine that's about the size of of two refrigerators. Ooh, what kind that of drugs can we print? Any any drugs, as long as yes. you've got the, the constituent base elements, right? So could I just like throw my shake in there and print out some Primo Bud? 
<laughs> I'm not quite sure. <laughs> well, you can just sift right through it and pull out all the THC for you and just get some high content. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. You don't so, need a 3D printer for that. There's, there's other ways that you can yeah, do that. Exactly. So what is, so <laughs> so speaking of that, what about microdosing? And we were talking about that the other day and uh and people in Silicon Valley and I mean all these people are starting yeah. to play around with it. So what uh what's the future of that? It seems like, you know, we've seen all these results from what uh, psychedelics or I think it was psilocybin how it yeah. really quiets your mind in a way instead of uh you know, those, those brain scans, everybody thought they were going to show like, you know, and it being all lit up and it actually was the reverse, which kind of makes yeah. sense that people have played around with it. They, they kind of get that. So, um, is that really opening space for people to be creative and organized and talk a little bit about the whole microdosing thing? Yeah. So, you know, and, and smart drugs, I guess as well. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, psychedelic, I've been chatting about psychedelics for, for, for quite some time. Uh, and really it, it, it started to fascinate me when uh, I read a book called what the Dormouse saw by, um, by a New York times uh, author. Um, his name um, slips my mind. Um, John Markov. Sorry. And, and Markov actually, he found that a lot of the developments in the world in the, in the technological area actually came from people that were like a little strung out after, after the late sixties. Right. So, you know, there, there, there were massive developments at the end of the sixties, like 1968, there's a guy called Douglas Engelbart in Stanford sat down and, you know, he had the mouse that he just invented. He had a trackpad. He did, he did things like the technology that we're using to, to have a chat on this phone call. He did video conferencing for the, and teleconferencing for the first time. Um, it's pretty wild stuff. But what's fascinating about this was the, the best uh, computer scientists uh, in America were on the East Coast. But what was the difference? If the West Coast didn't have the best, what did they have? They had people that were different thinkers. The different thinkers had actually experimented with a lot of psychedelics as part of the counterculture movement, right? So what they actually found was, um, and, and subsequent researchers sort of, sort of looked into this, is how LSD actually changes the way that the brain builds uh, connections to think about um, solution spaces and, and problems in, in new ways. There's a great researcher called uh, Dr. James Fardiman that sort of looks into this as well and did a lot of experiments with microdosing mescaline and, and, and psilocybin and, and whatever. But it's interesting. I mean, Steve, Steve Jobs said that, you know, he did acid and it was one or two of the most important things he ever did in the world. If you go back even further to the, to the uh, sort of mid-1950s, Sir Francis Crick was one of the, the Nobel, Nobel laureates that discovered DNA in the DNA helix. So reportedly, he was on acid completely in a, in, in a completely different um, zone and a way of thinking. And he described the DNA helix structure that he saw through a psychedelic trip, um, which was obviously connected to all the work that he'd done before, to his wife that drew it down. And there's actually images of, of the drawing that she made that helped drive the innovations of thinking around DNA. Hmm. So psychedelics, I mean, that, that, was, that was large dose psychedelics. Smaller dose psychedelics today are, are being sort of applied you know, in computer science, in architecture and engineering, um, obviously in, in, in more creative arts, like, you know, painting and, and, and music, right? Um, but it is something that, you know, albeit illegal and, you know, it's, it's difficult to find, you know, LSD, psilocybin, whatever, unless you've got the sort of the underground connections, as it were. It, it's something that, that as a discipline is actually rising because people are starting to realize that, you know, taking a microdose every sort of 
every three days or so just gives you a, that amount of buzz. It's not a psychedelic buzz. That amount of drive, that that focus, that difference of thought that takes you in new directions and suddenly everything's changing. I know dozens of people here in Vancouver that have done this and still do this. And it's everyone from like accountants in large consultancies through to video producers and script writers, right? It, it's very diverse. And they notice a difference of their cognitive functions, and does it does it provide clarity or organization? I mean, Darren, you've always said after this is interesting for me because I've been been really contemplating microdosing for a while now. So, so, um, so narratively, like people have told me this. So, one example, I've got a friend that does uh, video editing. They they write um, them and their partner partner. They they write scripts. They do video editing. You know, it's really tough work. It's long work. You have to be creative. You have to think differently about how you go from one scene to the next and something that's fresh and new and is going to be engaging. <clears throat> you know, they were saying that, like, for a two-week period, they were microdosing every day, and they were working 12 to 16 hours a day, nonstop, without being tired, and yeah. just working in new ways, producing more work, um, doing new things that they had never even even thought of before. You know, they weren't high. They were just their brain was just connecting in completely different ways because the dose was was, was super low. But then what they were finding is, you know, after four or five days, you know, they'd literally have to switch off and and step away, and they were completely sort of spent because you're still using energy. You're still using right, right. the connections in the brain. You know, so so there's some dangers there as well right yeah i've but, heard a couple different i've heard like five days on two days off with a tenth of a gram or like uh, i've heard another one was like a quarter gram every four days or something like that i've heard a couple yeah. different methods do you know what there's there's lots of forums online especially on reddit that talk about this um and people this is what i do and this is what i do and that's what i you know i try and try and work out and then you've got the whole spiritual psychedelic you know the ayahuasca or the ibogaine sort of experiences that people try and have which is a which is less about productivity and it's more about spiritual and personal awareness right yeah i mean yeah. you know um it's been proven that that using psilocybin like from magic mushrooms has helped people um that are actually terminally ill come to terms with death alongside therapy um mdma has been used for the same thing as well right yeah. so th there is going to be a really interesting sort of next three to five years where things like mdma which the fda have, has already sort of heralded as a potential breakthrough drug for therapy of ptsd and and, and deep sort of like mental tra trauma that people have you know all the way through to like lsd which where the research has been kicked up by associations like maps yeah and whatever, suddenly it's going to become vibrant and interesting. And unfortunately, the uh, you know the stiffs, the man, as it were, um, sort of shut it all down because uh, who wanted freedom of thought back in the nineteen sixties? Right, it was potentially yeah. dangerous to the to the modern society. Yeah, I mean, all the tests they did before the the drug war. I mean, they were really close to to uh, using LSD and these things uh, in therapeutic ways until until they put the clamp down. Yeah. Back in the 60s. Yeah. So hopefully we can get back to the, you know, at least uh, to that part. I mean, Darren and I have had these discussions where I, I feel like psilocybin is pretty close to becoming legal at some point. Um, you know, like just like they have these little pot shops now, it'll, that'll, that'll be soon enough where 
Where you can have I don't think it's going to happen in our lifetime. You don't think so, eh? I mean, but I, if you would have told me weed was going to be legal in our lifetime, I probably wouldn't have believed you about that 10 years ago. Yeah. I, I, I remember traveling to Amsterdam. Me and my friends used to go over there, like, go and have some fun. It's cleaned up a lot now. It's, it's, it's very different today. But 20 years ago, Amsterdam, you could walk into a store and buy mushrooms. I mean, hell, I, I grew up in the southwest of England in farming country. It, I mean, <laughs> magic mushrooms grew, grew on my school field. Right? Yeah, so yeah, exactly. It, <laughs> it's like everywhere. So it's, uh, you know, it, it's interesting times when, when people try and stop something that's potentially very powerful from, from being readily available and being used. It's all about guidance and it's all about teachings, right? It's why, you know, when you have ayahuasca ceremonies, you have shaman. Right. It's, it's why when you use MDMA in a therapeutic setting, you have, you know, people that, that are counselors that are trained to actually work with with that substance to, to get the most benefit out of out of the session and, and go into the areas that are really difficult from a tra- trauma perspective and, and go through some of the tough, deep areas that are going to result in some really good healing. Right. Yeah. I feel like the, you know, the natural stuff like the psilocybin is is more. I don't know. To me, it resonates a little bit more because, you know, this technological advancement in a lot of different ways, it's, you know, it proves years later to be damaging in a way. Like, you know, like the food, like the food industry. I mean, yeah, we, you know, we started creating all this, um, you know, food that's just end up being full of chemicals. And I mean, you know, so many of these big businesses push all this technological thing into our throat and, and get us to consume it. And then we find out later on that, you know, whether it's like fluoride in the water or chemicals in the food yeah. or glyphosate and all these problems that are coming up later. So, you know, is the same thing, is there the same risk with, you know, nootropics and all these supplements and, and, uh, smart drugs, like where are the smart drugs going to go? I mean, we must be getting pretty close now to, I've, I've heard about what's that one smart drug we talk about there in that, uh, Niagara? no, the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what's so, funny is today I was actually, uh, I was in the shaft at work with the, doing some layout for the guys that abate the asbestos. Yeah. And we said something, I was like, you know, I wonder what my kids' kids are going to be abating. Abating, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah, later on, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I've been... So I've been playing around with uh, nootropics and smart drugs for a few years now, and if you if you look in my supplements, (laughs) it's like it's like crazy. Um, someone was saying to me, it's like, oh, do you you know, you know, from a smart drug regime, what do you do? It's ah, I don't really do much. And then I open my cupboard, and there's, there's <laughs> yeah. like there's like fifty separate things in here. Yeah. Everything, you know. Obviously, there's the Advil, right? But then you've got you've got things like milk thistle and green tea extract. You've got 5-HTP. You've got yeah, vitamin. Yeah. You've got magnesium. You've got maca. You've got like yerba mate that you drink because it's crazy, crazy strong. Siberian ginseng, and then you've got like you know more off-the-shelf nootropics like you know alpha brain, L-theanine, and whatever that that allow you to have more mental sort of focus and. And, and sort of attention to detail, you know, or, or stamina, really, in certain ways. And, and it's becoming a, a huge, huge industry, if you actually look at that. I mean, I was pulling some numbers on this earlier. Like, if you just look at nutritional supplements alone, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's like a $60 billion industry, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and and the, <laughs> the global nootropics market is is about 1.34 billion at the moment, huh. and that's going to go to six plus 
billion wow. um, by 2024. You know, pe- people, you know, we've been told in the world, it's like, wake up, have a cup of coffee, smoke a cigarette. Do you know what? Like, your kids, kids, they, they're going to wake up and they're going to take two, two or three tablets that's going to be to their profile of how they want to feel for the day. They're not going to drink coffee. They're not going to drink cigarettes, which is a great thing, you know. And and they're just going to they're just going to think and, and, and operate in different ways. And the nootropics market is going to be something that's really hot. Again, you can burn out if you do too much of this stuff, right? But I'm, I'm going to be going down in January to to speak to a lot of of people that have founded a lot of these companies as part of a project I'm doing. And, uh, you know, the questions I have is like, you know, if you do these, this, these fasting regimes or these exercise regimes, you know, meditation obviously is, is really powerful, but like you, you then suddenly have these regimes around nootropics that you sort of push out there. You know, what, what does this actually do? Are, are we just going to be like 40 years old and completely burnt out and tired and just completely over that? You know, are we going to be superhumans that are suddenly, you know, you know, a dozen IQ points higher than we were last week just because of a regime of tablets that we're taking. So these are some of the questions I'm going to look at, right? Or, you know, or is, or is, or is Deborah stuck in her, um, you know, one bedroom apartment in San Francisco com- completely with her mind blown because, you know, microdosing and nootropics whilst it earned her high ha- accolades, say being a coder in Silicon Valley after five years, she's kind of in a, in a mildly sort of detached and vegetative state because you know what? The bunch it's of all cats. <laughs> Maybe a bunch of cats could be a bunch of anything in San Francisco, right? See, I go back and forth between that and my kids. Kids will be hunting fucking deer in the ruins of the city. (laughs) Yeah, you know, it's like you know, are we suddenly going to get get back? Are we, you know, there's a whole movement around rewilding, taking places that that have been sort of made urban and then taking them back into you know, you know, the forests. You know, maybe Calgary in the future. It's going to be a beauteous wonderland of renewable energy and. And in green spaces and all sorts of lovely things. Well, there's the there's the two parts to the biohacking. There's the whole technological aspect where I believe I think that the science, in a lot of ways, I feel like the science is way ahead of the medical community. Like I feel like the the medical community is so big and slow that there's all these people it's almost like the you know like a biohacking maker lab scene where they're doing all their their own science and their own experiments and they're testing all this stuff out and there's really good results yet it's going to take decades before it gets into the mainstream medical community and then and then there's the other side of the biohacking where there's simple simple little tools like you mentioned where fasting i mean there's huge benefits to fasting and even just little things like dry skin brushing or whatever else you can do that are just almost going back to like away from the technology and back to uh, a more natural state right yeah it, you know it is really really interesting I, I like to think that there's a huge democracy that's going to come um, to to certainly the, you know, certainly the the, the big pharma medical community as well, right? right? Yeah, yeah, that, I I mean, think that really know, needs to happen. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I think I said earlier earlier in this conversation, you know, we we've got these smartphones in our pockets to replace the general practitioner doctors that we go and see. Done. It's over. The medical community is starting to see that. Um, you've got people that are working in maker spaces looking at new ways of, of synthesizing insulin. So insulin huh. is, is, is something like a $45 billion industry worldwide, right, wow. every year. 
Yeah. Um, and insulin's really, really expensive. And there are big pharma companies that produce the insulin. And there's these two guys in a maker lab down in, down in the States that are starting to produce open source insulin. Wow. Right? So what does that do? It, 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 it just kills the bottom of the market, right? And, and, and everything becomes cheaper and more available. You know, the, the patents and the IP and big pharma is probably going to be one of the big, most disrupted areas in the next few years. Uh, wait until the big companies like, you know, Google and Facebook and Amazon and whatever start turning their billions of dollars towards, you know, pharmaceutical research, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's, it's interesting. So you, you mentioned those big companies as well. You know, now these are the big companies and biggest companies in the world, you know, before it was oil and banking and all, and now it's, it's uh, big data, big data and all these companies like Amazon and Google and Facebook. So, yeah. but you also mentioned education as, as becoming the big one. I mean, I feel like that's really changing as well. Like so much, so much is changing right now, but education, especially people are coming out of the university and they're creating stuff. You know, professors are creating their, their YouTubes online and they're doing all kinds of stuff. And there's all these big, yeah. um, you know, every, you can learn like even just with podcasts. I mean, if I, I anything I want to know about, I can just listen to somebody talk about it for free right now. That's right. And, and, you know, I left, I well, left you should school donate. With, <laughs> I, I, I left school with, with no real uh, qualifications. <clears throat> and why was that? It's not because I was stupid. I was, very, I was completely distracted and I had no faith in the teachers of the curriculum. I, I thought that, you know, being taught English and math in the way I was being taught so those, those subjects wasn't going to actually add value to the life that I was going to create. At this point, I was like 15 years old. I was a skateboarder already plugged into the internet and gaming and do, doing all, all sorts of stuff, right? I was really like pushing some boundaries and uh, and starting to realize that you know that's not the way that the world works, and it took me a few years to sort of get get find the right sort of university to go to and whatever. But yeah, I mean the ways the ways that people are going to start thinking, education is going to have to change. You know, they say that sixty five percent of all jobs that kids are going to do today, you know, kids that, that that are at school today, but the sixty five percent of the jobs that they'll do in the future don't exist. Right. Um, kids, kids that do more vocational training and and more sort of open minded ways of learning are going to actually start start their integration into the modern world of work. You know, even starting their own companies earlier than anyone else. Other other, other kids. Right. And they're actually going to get a lot of benefit from these new ways of thinking. You know, Elon Musk has actually created a school down in Silicon Valley called Ad Astra for his kids and other people's kids that, that doesn't have grades. Everyone learns together, multiple different subjects, right? Now, I was chatting to a great friend of mine, and he's, his kid, he took him out of uh, the normal school system and put him into this super progressive, technologically sort of focused school out in Surrey. And he's saying that his kid is actually enjoying education <laughs> rather than coming home and, and doing a homework that's just, you know, you know what, write this, work that out and write that there. That, that's, that, computers are going to do that in the future. Um, we need people to be creative and we need people to, you know, understand like roles of ethics and philosophy and, and, and how to connect with other humans in deeper ways. You know, how, how, to, how to build environments in virtual reality, how to think about artificial intelligence and how to think about, you know, the, the new ways of the world rather than just like, hey, here's long division. Like, go figure. Yeah, and then, and then flip burgers. Yeah. You don't, well, they, yeah, well, that's, they, yeah. They, can't sell there's not going to be any of those yeah there won't be any of those jobs like all the algorithmic jobs that are simple tasks 
you know, the, the first jobs that are going to go are algorithmic jobs that are, that are like data driven, right? Like administration tasks or cashiers at the bank or cashiers in retail. You know, the people flipping burgers, they're just going to be replaced by robots. So those sort of the kids that messed around with, in school, running around the playground, oh, yeah, they're the popular kids. And then, then you see them 10 years later and they're, you know, they're, they're on, on a construction site just digging holes and not doing anything of skill. They're not going to have that choice. Everyone's going to have to level up. And it's, you know, it's going to be a challenge because not everyone's at the same level of mental aptitude or have got that privileged background to be able to, you know, focus on studying whatever. So we're going to have to work out, you know, in society how we can provide equal opportunities for everyone, right? And it's just going to end up, I mean, look what's happening with our political system right now, too. Not to get too deep into politics, but is this is this uh, global connection and, and the... Um, the smartphones and all the stuff you're talking about going to help us finally in the political environment and is democracy going to get, you know, we're going to have a chance democratizing the politics, like which should be happening already. I mean, really it's just, or they'd be completely hijacked. Yeah. I mean, when, when will we be seeing a, a different change in that? You think, do, do you know what true democracy looks like? It looks like, it looks like Trump getting elected and Brexit happening. That's what true democracy looks like. Right. And and I, I say that, and it's quite a controversial thing that, around that that I, that I say that, is when you give enough people in the world that don't have an understanding of, of politics, geopolitics, policy, ethics, how a society should work in, in a good libertarian way or in a good conservative way or whatever, people just don't care and they just – they they just get influenced by the wrong people and they they undergo like the process of democracy motivated like never before and they make really stupid decisions. I mean the UK coming out of Europe is one of the dumbest things I've heard of in my entire lifetime. I mean sure Trump being elected was was such a wrong decision, but now America's like really paying for it big time. And now they've got a maniac in charge, right? Um, there's an amazing video that Robert Reich, um, who used to be an advisor to Reagan and Clinton administrations on economics, he did last week. And he, it was the one-year anniversary of Trump being elected. And he goes, oh, th this video is celebrating one year without a president of the U.S. of A. Yeah, yeah, but because, I mean, but think you got to think that there's, you know, things aren't good for these people to begin with. There's a lot of corruption going on. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. Like getting away. When does the system going to break so that it can be rebuilt to, for the people? I mean, it's it's, you know, there's a, a lot of global corruption that you can't ignore as well. Yeah, I mean, do we follow the model that Cuba followed when Castro took over? How about Iceland. Uh, right. Let's talk about Iceland. Right. Okay, so <laughs> Iceland's kind of had a lot of scandal in, in the last few years. But in 2008, when all the bankers were, you know, got sent to jail and everything was going wrong, um, the, city, the city of Reykjavik realized that they needed a change. So, the, so they, they uh, voted in a guy called John Gnar. And John Gnar is a, a very famous stand-up comedian in Iceland because the city needed humor and a different perspective on running their city at that point in time. Actually worked out pretty good. And then it's like, oh, let's progress further. And Iceland's good to look at. Oh, let's crowdsource the constitution. You guys heard of this, yeah? Okay. So, so let's crowdsource the constitution. And it was in every newspaper. I used to talk about it in talks. It's like, look at this. It's democracy, open source politics. Amazing. Three years later, it completely failed. 
because the people that were trying to contribute to an open source contribution just um, suggested things that were completely illegal, wouldn't work, dynamically were actually really fundamentally stupid. And, and they had to go back to the original process of having the smart people that were empathetic, that could connect with communities and still have the trickle-up effect of, of getting opinion and, and synthesizing that into something that works. They still need that process, right? So, you know, do we, do we burn it all down and remove all the political systems or whatever? Well, you know, countries like Cuba did that, right? And now Cuba, you've got people on an average of $20 a month you know, sort of income in, in a com communist society, you know, supposedly living happy lives with a crumbling infrastructure and sort of always living on the edge of, of, of absolute collapse as, as a country again, right? It's, it's really tough. And I love Cuba and I love going to companies like Laos, which is also, a, um, you know, sort of a communist country or whatever. I think some of these can work. But, you know, it's a tough road if you truly go down the, uh, you know, break the model and let's rebuild the world, right? Yeah, yeah I tend point. to agree. Yeah. I don't think you can, like, I can't go full anarchy. I think you need limited government at some level. A lot less of it. Probably more control today. at the local level would be good. I feel like it's the national That's level right. that fucks everything up. That's right. Yeah, yeah no, no, absolutely. And, and localization and small communities can have this alternative way of living, right? So uh, th there's a place in Copenhagen called Christiania, which is an anarchist sort of uh, off the grid. You know, it's an anarchist community that sort of overtook some barracks in what's the late it, What's 60s. it called? Christiania? Uh, Christ, Christiania. Okay. And I, I went there. Wow. I went there nearly 20 years and it was, <laughs> it was, it was wilder than Amsterdam. It was, it was, it's called Freetown Christiania. And, and they've got a set, they've got a set of rules of how they, of how they operate. Right. But what, what they, what they had was as soon as they built an anarchist community, everyone moved in, including like biker gangs and organized crime and drugs and whatever, and suddenly undermined that free society because some people see freedom as just completely going off, you know, the edge of the edge of the cliff. Right. Yeah. And, so, and some people see freedom as a, as a huge opportunity to sort of level up the world. Right. So what we have to do is we have to usher in freedom in the right kind of way huh so did that not did that not work it work out in the end then that place yeah yeah they 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 kicked all the drug dealers out they kicked all the bikers out um they stopped a lot of the parties that they had there and they just like normalized it back down right and, and now it's it's still going yeah it, it's still going it's it's not as crazy as it was when i went there but it's uh it's definitely uh still going and uh you know they're looking at development and it's kind of funny, you know, these barracks that they took over were like, you know, a short hop from the from the royal residencies, right? And it was a real thorn in the side of Denmark for a long time. But, you know, li libertarian society and true anarchism can, can really ride out in a positive way. But you have to come back in and, and sort of really bring a level of government to your own principles back in to, to really make it work, you know? You need something because right now, yeah. currently in the world, there are two billion dollar boats named Bodie McBoat Face and Ferry McFerry yeah. Face. <laughs> yeah, again, true, true, true democracy, right? You know, thanks to the Brits that do that, right? But like Christian, so so here's Christiana's common law. So let's look at this, right? No weapons, no hard drugs, no violence, no bulletproof clothing, right? No bikers, <laughs> like no biker jackets, right? No affiliation to gangs, no private cars, no no sale of fireworks. That's a bit weird. 
you know, no, no use of, <laughs> of dynamite and no stolen goods, right? So it, it's like an anarchist commune that's just trying not to have all the, the really seedy, shady parts of life in it, right? Huh. That sounds pretty. It's awesome. It's taking it's all fun, the fun it? out of it. Yeah, no. no. Do you what know what? what like, constitutes a hard drug? Yeah, that's <laughs> <terrible>. <laughs> like um, in in Europe, right? It, it, this is heroin, right? Heroin and crack and, and yeah. meth. So, yeah. yeah, yeah, those are probably no good. Yeah. So what? Before we uh, run out of time here, just what what else do you think? To, do you want to say about your work and and what you do and um, where you're going to be speaking and stuff like that? Yeah. So <clears throat> it, it's it, it's becoming really interesting for me. Um, I'm going to be speaking in Toronto a couple of times over the next couple of weeks and, and here and there around sort of BC and, and in Alberta as well. So okay. a number of different people, like everything from like the Ontario government to the large consultancy PricewaterhouseCoopers next huh. year, it's going to be bigger and better. I've just been invited to, to go to Dubai. I've just been invited to go down to Peru. Um, What's really interesting, the trajectory that I've seen with with me, you know, doing grassroots community events and meetups and small conferences, uh-huh. the, the, the momentum behind the people just want to understand what's going to happen in the future. They, they kind of want to understand, you know, what, what's coming tomorrow, what's coming in five years and what's coming in 20 years. Exactly. And there, there's me and a number of the people that I know out there doing this that really do work very hard. To try and to try and understand the landscape and some of the signals that are happening today that's going to usher in the new world. Five years ago, I wouldn't have been talking about Bitcoin and blockchain. I wouldn't have been talking about quantum computing. It, it's it, it just wasn't even on the radar in the same way as today, where it's like disrupting monetary systems and it's going to change the world of of, of cryptography. It just was. It, it's just wild, and that exponential change. Is happening because everything's mashing together. And what I'm saying, um, I'm just writing my annual report for next year and the predictions, and maybe I'll come back and talk to you about that as well in, in, in two or three months. Sure. Is I'm saying that we're headed to, towards a world where the idea of moonshots, right, this, these big ideas curing cancer and curing global warming and whatever, it's kind of bullshit because – if we look at that scale, there's only a few companies in the planet that have got the billions of dollars to develop solutions for it mm-hmm. that can ultimately own the cure for cancer, right? You know, people like Microsoft and Google, well, they want to own the cure, right? They want to have, <laughs> have that recognition, and they ultimately want that revenue flow, I personally think, right? What, what, we, what we're headed towards is exactly what we've been talking about in this entire conversation is radical creativity. The small, the small changes that we can make as individuals, whether it's in maker spaces, R&D labs, whether it's in smaller companies um, that, that are just coming up with new solutions. The radical creativity is going to create a momentum when all all of the radically radically ambitious projects that we're going to do come together as one and create a tidal wave of innovation, right? Yeah. And then we can solve the big problems that some of the big the big guys are sort of feeding on. Right now, they're just acquiring all the radically creative companies to feed into the big solutions. I think what we have to do is stay radically creative, independent thinkers, and uh, and not take the big money and, and realize that, you know, somewhere down the line that there's something more than money in the world to, to really be recognized as, as something that's going to provide value to the whole of humanity. I wonder if these, could these quantum computers, like, make Bitcoin obsolete? <laughs> basically if 
If you were to build a, a, a computer, a quantum computer that had enough qubits to, to break cryptography, the entire Bitcoin um, economy collapses immediately. That's what I was thinking. So that's basically, so that isn't that on the horizon? It's it's quite a way away. Okay, it's quite a way away. So yeah. buy Bitcoin, but yeah. be ready to sell them. <laughs> I I wouldn't recommend that anyone buys Bitcoin right now. Because yeah. everyone's buying Bitcoin because they think it's going to keep making a lot of money, and it's the wrong way to get into any kind of market, right? Yeah. But hey, I'm wrong. I'm wrong in a lot of aspects, right? I've got a lot of friends that are Bitcoin millionaires because they were Bitcoin farming six years ago, and we were like, "What the hell are you doing? None of this makes <laughs> sense." Fuckers. Well, they it's should like, get out well, now. Yeah, and it's like, hey, I can buy a pizza with ten Bitcoin. It's like, wow. <laughs> and now that pe- now now that pizza is like a seventy thousand dollar pizza, right? <laughs> I just remember, I remember fucking someone gave us a bunch of Bitcoins a couple months ago and they were like, you got to convert them right away. <laughs> and it was like, it's doubled. Since I think then. we lost them too. There's those ones yeah. we lost and then we couldn't oh, get them back. Man, I don't even want to think about fucking what that little transaction is worth now because somebody sent us a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin when it was at like 200 bucks. Man. And, we lost and they it. sent it, but I had given them the wrong address. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do you know what i've heard several so i've got a friend who had a hard drive with his with his crypto wallet on it right he, he's, he's lost it and there was a guy there was a guy in the uk and this was heartbreaking it was it was two years ago um he'd sent his computer to the recycle um into into e-recycling and um and his bitcoin wallet was on the computer and uh he realized after a week they'd done this and literally, he spent months trying to find his hard drive <laughs> in in these huge e-waste parts. I don't think he managed to find it. But like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's like, you know, it's like burning a million dollars. It's best not to think about that shit. <laughs> I, I like thinking about it because I don't have any Bitcoin and it makes me chuckle. That's right. I don't have any, any either. I mean, like the past. It's best not to, th- you know, dwell yeah. on the past. You can't yeah. do fucking anything about it anyway. Yeah. Unless you're going to get busy making a time machine. That's right. Well, hey, we, that's, should, that's, uh, that's... we should wrap it up. Where can our listeners track you down? Is there any place our listeners can track you down if they want to bug you or yeah. follow you? Or... Yeah, yeah. So um, nicholasbadminton.com. Um, you can just type my name in the internet. And there's tons of videos and articles I've written for like Fast Company. Um, I've got an article coming out in Vice Motherboard uh, around AI and, and the financial markets in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm going to be on CTV next Wednesday talking about technological immortality as well. Yeah, you've been all over the place. How did you How did you do that so quick in like five or six years? You got yourself out there quite a bit, eh? There's, there's a lot of people that are, are too scared to really have the opinions that I have. Yeah, um, I'm, yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty provocative, but I'm, I'm kind of informed by the people around me. And hey, I'm not always right. I put my hand up to say that I'm wrong on occasion. But do you know what? When I'm right about certain things, uh, people sort of sit up and pay attention. And uh, for years, I've advised very large companies at the, the board level around business strategy. And now I advise very large companies at the board level around foresight and futurology and about how they can future-proof their organizations. It's, it's incredibly valuable for them. I'm having a blast. It's really fun. Well, then, and you know what? People trust you because you admit you're, you admit when you're wrong and you admit your mistakes. And then, uh, you know, people will, uh, will, will trust that. I think that's, yeah, uh, yeah that's valuable. Well, thanks. Thanks yeah. so much for coming on. Yeah, for sure. And, so, and some people never ask me back. So, hey, whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll ask you back. Yeah. Well, 
We'll send you yeah. a shirt to wear on TV. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> send, send it over. I'm in. I'm in. And, and the toque. Okay. Ooh, we, how yeah. do we not have fucking toques? Yeah, we should get God. toques. Yeah. All right, Nicholas. Thanks a lot for coming on. And we'll link to all this stuff in the show notes. And uh, you have a good night and enjoy your travels there coming up. Yeah, thanks, guys. I okay. really enjoyed it. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was a chat with uh, Mr. Nicholas Badminton. You didn't ask him about enemas. Enemas? Oh, yeah, I should have. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of a natural, yeah. more of a natural way. Low-tech, biohack yeah. way, right? Just a, you know, gravity I was thinking the bag. feces transplant is low-tech, but you need some tech there. Yeah, yeah, you can't. That's you not, can't that's just be cramming it up there. No. Well, yeah, that was that good. Was good that was, yeah. Went by yeah. fast. I don't think I could be as optimistic as him about the future. I don't know. I flip for, flip-flop back and forth a bit, you know? That's just to think about your own future sometimes. Yeah, I think all this big data is going into that big thing down in the south there and the states. And we're on the execution list when the exactly. fucking state takes. When they want to do their quantum analysis. Yeah, so one day that right fucking there. door is just going to bust over and do to the head. Hopefully we're live streaming. <laughs> Blaze of glory, bitches. Mm. Yeah, big thanks to Nicholas for coming on the show and sharing all his optimism with us. It was great, fun chat. Forgot to get into AI a little bit and transhumanism. We kind of touched on it, but we, did. we didn't yeah. have a lot of time. Well, yeah. we'll do it again. Yeah, he's one of those guys you could uh, you could do a little bonus. Yeah, totally. thing or intro thing every yeah. three, four, with his or six new, months with his new work or with his new work and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, it must take a lot to keep up on all that. I don't even. I can't even imagine. Speaking of new work, check out grimmaker.ca/support, guys, for all the different ways you can support our new work. Uh, if you are getting a little value from the podcast. Uh, head over to grimerica.ca slash support and sign up for a monthly if you can. Uh, that would be great. Uh, if you can't afford to do a monthly, you can do a one-time donation as well. Uh, I think it gives you the option to turn any one time into a monthly. So head on over there, guys, if you can, when you can, support the show. I know another a guy actually today canceled a su- subscription. And I was like, oh, man. And then like five minutes later, he started a new subscription for an extra two bucks a month. Sweet. So Thanks, we, buddy. We got a raise. That's good. Yeah, we got a raise, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. All right, guys. Uh, So if you can check that out, of course, there's a bunch of different ways you can support the show that don't cost you anything. Reviewing it. Review the show, share the show, tell your friends about this motherfucker, sign people up for the newsletter, buy some swag for some people for Christmas. There you go. You can buy people a America shirt. You're sharing the show. You're supporting the show financially. And you're sharing the show when they wear that shirt out. And you're crossing someone off your Christmas list. And honestly, we couldn't do it without the support. Like, we didn't we didn't plan on, on needing support to do this show, but that's what it's turned into. Right? That's right. Yeah. Then all these links are in the show notes. Everything that you could ever need. <laughs> all right, guys. I think that's about it. Um, yeah, check it all out. Do all that stuff in the show notes. Uh, because it really helps. All right, guys, thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Season's greetings from the Grimerica Show podcast. Gather around the fireplace, help yourself to some hot cocoa with the little marshmallows in it, maybe have a candy cane or two, and maybe some cookies. It's so warm and jolly. Merry Christmas Podcasting from the igloo Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo And over there that's Graham crying tears of joy 
as he listens in on the little drummer boy. I see you've acquainted yourself with D-Ron. Yeah, it's true, he puffs Christmas trees on medicinal. Wait a second, is that? Yeah, I think that's Sasquatch beneath the mistletoe. Get over here, Graham. Thank you for saving me and give me a kiss. And it looks like Napoleon Doom is decorating the room with tinsels, ribbon, popcorn, on strings, and poinsettias. They are in bloom. And you might ask, who's that in the green and red Lucian Libre mask? Why, of course, that's RPJ. Feliz Navidad. It's so warm and jolly. Cry Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy. You'll get a warm and fuzzy feeling if you donate to the Grime America show. So get in the spirit, reach down in your pocket and make it rain. Uh, I mean, uh, let us know, make it snow, let us know, let us know, make it snow. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. Donate to the show. It's so warm and jolly. Grime Merry Christmas. Podcasting from the igloo. Darren plays jingle bells on the didgeridoo. And over there, that's Graham crying tears of joy. As he listens in on the little drummer boy.
Graham, Graham.